The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have a few stories from my recent trip to Cuba, a cruise and people behaving badly, dogs, hives, horses, tray tables, turbulence, a survival story, and the night sky. The music for this show I recorded on the streets of Madrid. It was a street performer using some sort of plastic contraption. Let's get on with the show. Okay, so you had a pilot friend. Right, my pilot friend. His very first week on the job as a chief pilot, he um, got left alone one night because a gentleman's, either a pilot had died or the pilot's mother had passed away. I can't remember. And so all the chief pilots wanted to go to the funeral, so they left this guy, we'll call him Bill, in charge. And he's just sitting there minding his business, things are going all right, and he'd literally only been on the job like a day or two. And he gets a phone call from a gentleman that owned one of the hotels where we stayed at. And with the man happened to be Indian, and so with a strong Indian accent, the first thing that Bill hears is, I do not care that they are naked in the hot tub. I care that they broke my sliding glass doors in the front. Oh my gosh. They had gotten shopping carts. Well, they, they had obviously had adult beverages, but they had gotten shopping carts from the parking lot and were riding around topless. The flight attendants, I think pilots pushing them. And they actually like tried to, not. they didn't try to break the doors, but I guess they didn't open fast enough and they threw them off their tr- so Bill just literally like got out a, cre- a company credit card and like gave the number to the man. I was like, I'm so sorry. Please. I like that. Please I don't picture. care that they're naked. <laughs> yeah, he goes, I do not care that they are naked in the hot tub. Like that's how Bill tells the story. And I die every time. And I'm like, Bill, tell the story. Tell the story. So. In the main cabin now, we have a choice of appetizer along with uh, entree. And I asked this passenger, and what would you like for your appetizer? And he said, uh, I'll have the mosquito. And I was like, you you have the what? Because <laughs> you don't think mosquito has been on a menu anywhere. <laughs> and he meant uh, prosciutto. 
I was saying that how I'd love to see a dog with a job, like at the airport where they have the dogs that are sniffing out drugs and stuff. And then you had something uh, I thought was quite an interesting take on it. Yeah, I, I think that people should consider adopting them, uh, especially those that are in the market for a spouse or a lover or a sugar daddy. Those would make great dogs. Why? I mean, because you can just take them out for the walk and they'll sniff the money out. They'll <laughs> Because they're trying to <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> so happy 2020, happy new decade. Well, I started off my new decade with a <laughs> New Year's Eve. Wake up, scratching. Get up, look in the mirror, and it was like <laughs> covered, covered, covered in red welts like I was like oh my goodness what is what is happening what is going on and you know it's New Year's Eve and uh, I can look at you at a doctor's appointment and urgent care if even if it's open there's going to be a million people there and I was like oh no what do I do thank goodness I didn't have to work so I took a shower and scrubbed and I uh I covered myself in uh hydrocortisone cream I swallowed Benadryl few of them just thinking bah! you know the last episode I called it leper legs because I had so many mosquito bites in Cuba but now I don't I don't know what caused this so I get online and I'm looking and like causes of skin irritation and it said you know lots of times it's your laundry detergent or dryer sheets and I thought oh I did change laundry detergent to this natural stuff uh same with the dryer sheets so I'm like oh no <laughs> Get to the store, buy hypoallergenic stuff, wash all the bed linen, wash all the clothes, because now I think all my clothes are contaminated that I just washed with all the new wash and the only thing I'm... Ah! So, uh, the first, so now the first day of the new decade, and I wake up and I'm like, okay, okay, I, I look like a normal person. All right, crisis averted. Thank goodness I had a couple of days off because I wake up the 2nd of January, the second day of the new decade, covered in uh, hives, welts, worse than the other day. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like, I just look like a crazy, like I, I look like I have a disease and I don't know what it is and I don't know what it came from. And uh, I think, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta get to a doctor. Um, you know, it, this thing I did didn't work and it must not be the detergent because I, I washed everything. I rewashed everything. So uh, I can't get an appointment with my dermatologist till the next week, which I, you're not going to wait till then. And uh, I need something now. I'm supposed to work the next day. And I was like, wow. So I go to urgent care three hours. Now, I'm, I actually wasn't complaining. A lot of people when they were complaining, but now you've got days where people, you know, the, everybody's got the flu. Everybody's coughing. I understand, but you know, I gotta, I gotta work on my my leper body. <laughs> so I see the doctor, and I it was exactly like I thought it was gonna be. He said basically, you're having an allergic reaction. We're gonna give you steroids, and I said, but you don't know what caused it. And he's like, no. And it's like, well, then I don't, I don't know how to fix it. I don't, I, you know, I I didn't do this to him. He's very busy. He's got all those people in the um, waiting room, but. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm fixing my bumps, but I don't know what caused the bumps, which means 
that they could just come back whenever the steroid wears off. And I was trying to think, and I did ask him. I was like, uh, uh, I've been, I have that rent-a-cat. I'm like, could the cat do it? And he's like, no, unless you're allergic to cats. And I'm like, not that I know of. Hives, two days of hives is uh, not the optimal way to start a new decade. I just hope it's not a harbinger of things to come. You worked on a smaller plane? I did. I worked on a regional jet, and this is the kind of jet that just had one flight attendant. Right. We were doing a turn to Tallahassee, and I had woken up like way too early, and I was barely staying awake because Tallahassee, you don't even serve. Without first class, you really didn't serve. I was dying. We got there a few minutes early, and I told the guys, I said, I'm going to go sit in the first row and take like a 10-minute nap. Right. Y'all holler at me when we start boarding. Well, nobody let me know that we were boarding. And about three passengers walked by. I was in one sea with my legs up asleep. And the only reason why I got woken up is because one D was like, I'm sorry, I need to get around you. And I woke up and I said, oh my gosh, why didn't the first person wake me? They're just walking by going, uh, okay? Yeah, they're just like, oh, she's taking a nap. And I just kept going. And he wasn't going to wake me except that my legs were in his way. He would have just sat down around me. In our digital, highly technical world, it's surprising that there are still places in the world that a horse and buggy or horse and carriage is still a legitimate form of transportation and business. Cuba has many forms of horse-drawn transportation. Is it outdated? Is it still practical? Hey, if it's all you have, it's all you have, and it still works. Time might have moved forward, but the past is still alive in a few places. So something weird happened to you? Yes. <laughs> on one of your flights? Yes, in business class. I was on the cart and there was this man sitting there just chilling, eating his own buggers oh next gosh. to his wife. Nice. I, I had to run to the galley for a second because I thought I was going to lose it. Sitting in the front? <laughs> yeah. Oh, very classy. Yeah. Very classy. To me, that's grounds for divorce. <laughs> so you had another strange passenger? Yes, he was um, pleasuring himself <laughs> in front of another customer that came and complained to us. So what did you say? Sometimes I like to hear what people say um, um, to the... Actually, at that time, it was before September 11th, and one of the pilots came and oh. talked to him. And shamed him? and shamed him, and he was banned from flying to ever again. Hey, cut that out! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind when you're going to buy something on Amazon, and, you know, so many of us do. Uh, you go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, and click through, and it doesn't cost you any more, and it supports the show, and I like to see what people buy. And this past month, somebody bought Looney Labs Zombie Flux. <laughs> okay. Uh, Honest Amish Beard Bomb and Prank Pet Sweep Wrap Your Real Gift in a prank joke gift box. <laughs> so interesting what people buy. So uh, if you don't mind when you're going to buy something on Amazon, go to my website, bettingthesky.com. And I thank you so very much. One of the interesting things about traveling, uh, especially traveling alone or traveling to a developing country, um, it's just so often things can go from really good to really bad and then back to good again. Like, like, that. It's like, 
wow, wow, you can have some ups and downs. I mean, some days it's like all up, you know, and then you'll have other days that are more of a challenge. So I was in Sinfuegos, Cuba, and um, it's a less frequented by tourist town. And uh, it used to be French, and it used to be a whole lot of money there. And I was staying in what I thought was the nicest hotel I stayed at in Cuba. Well, Casa Particular, so Airbnb. Um, this was a old mansion, like beautiful, stunning. I think it might be one of the, the prettiest hotels I've ever stayed in anywhere. And uh, it must have been um, decorated by an artist because every inch of the place was stunningly beautiful. Like everything, there were all these vintage items. It was, uh, they had like classical music playing. It was, you know how in like colonial times uh, and other parts of like I've seen in uh, Latin cities, um, they used to have, uh, they used to build a house or mansion or whatever you want to call it uh, surrounding an outside terrace. So the inside of the building is outdoors and like the main function of the place. And then you have the rooms around that. And this where I was staying, um, it, the whole block is like one building, kind of like a, a, a brownstone is connected, you know, so it's, it's, you don't have any space between you and your neighbor. And um, I just, I couldn't get over how pretty it was. So then I'm out for the day. And um, I had been going down to walk down to this uh, beach area, kind of a long walk, but I like to walk and I like to stop while I'm walking. So my intention was to walk down there, even though it was quite a distance. And um at one point, I got pretty hot. So uh, I had taken a bunch of bike taxis at different times. And one time I was taking the bike taxi in Playa Larga. And uh, the guy says to me, do you have a picture of the house? And I'm thinking, I've never been there. I have a picture of the house. You know, because he couldn't find it. We had to ask three people along the way. And like that bike taxi uh, that was quite long was like, three dollars and then I took that bike taxi where I went all the way like 45 minutes uphill <laughs> in, in uh, Trinidad and I overpaid that bike taxi like twenty dollars uh, I think it was more like uh, ten so I knew how much bike taxis cost and I also know that you should negotiate a price before you get in a taxi or a, anything like that but I knew I was only going maybe 10 more blocks. So like, how much could it be? $2, $3. So uh, this guy stopped and said, do you, you want a taxi? And I was like, okay, sure. Because, you know, I was getting hot. And I figured out, you know, he'll make some money and I'll get there a little faster. So I get in the bike taxi. And when we get off, he says, um, that's $80. And I was like, it is not $80. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's like, it's $80. And um, you need to pay me $80 now. And I was like, no. I mean, there's no way that the guy was trying to take advantage of me. He was trying to rip me off. And then he starts yelling and screaming at me saying, I'll take you to the police right now. I'll take you to the police. That's how much it costs. I'm like, I took a, you know, a 40 minute bike taxi and paid $20. You can't tell me a five minute bike taxi is $80. He's like, that was another city in this city. That's what it costs. That's what it is. And you're, we're going to the police right now. And he's screaming at me and now I'm sweating and it was so uncomfortable. And, um, I, I needed to get away from him. Like, just wanted the whole thing over and was going to overpay and say, look, I'll give you $20, which was like four times, five times the price it should have been. I just needed to get rid of away from this screaming maniac. And he's like, no, it's against, you know, you can, we can go to the police right now. It's, uh, 
It's $60. And I'm like, it is not $60. I eventually gave that guy because he would not stop screaming at me. I actually gave him $40. And then I felt really bad about it because I knew he took advantage of me. And yeah, $40 isn't that much to me. But still, you know, it's wrong. Anyway, it was very stressful. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was not a pleasant situation. And uh, so here I'd gone from staying in this beautiful hotel to now this low point. And then... uh, I was walking back, which I wasn't getting back on another bike taxi. And and a couple other people who had sort of witnessed it said, you know, it shouldn't have been more than $5. And that guy's crazy and basically were apologizing to me. And, uh, you know, I got myself calmed down and uh, walking back. And I see the lights like on a rooftop restaurant. And I thought, oh, that looks like a nice place. And then the there were these uh, really nice musicians. And they were uh, it was the music for a lot of the last previous podcast. And after that, um, they sat down at my table, these two fun guys, and we talked for like an hour and a half. And then I was on a real travel high, because uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and the music and the food. So you know, I went from that bad getting taken advantage of to now a real nice uh, tourist experience you know, really talking to the locals. Then I was walking back and I came across a vintage store and I found a a license plate that I could buy, an old Cuba license plate. So it was like, score! And so now I'm on this, I'm practically skipping back to my beautiful hotel. I've I've had a great night talking to the locals. I found my license plate. Woohoo! And I get back there and the lady had to ring the bell and the lady lets me in. And I was like, it's so beautiful in here. And there was a couple, a little bit older than me, couple from Switzerland and uh, they're sitting there and sulking and I said isn't it beautiful in here it's so pure it's just so pretty and uh, the guy says we don't think it's nice here and I was like what he goes this is not nice this this there is no window in our room and I was like well there's no window because there it's the buildings are connected so there can't be a window it'd be like a window into the next house <laughs> You know, except for at the, at the front and the back are the only place there could be windows because it's connected to two other buildings. And I kind of was thinking to myself, where do you think you are? And he said, we were we were told we were having nothing but five-star accommodations, and this is not a five-star accommodations. Like They were expecting the Four Seasons, and I said to him, I said, I don't know about your expectations, and I don't know if you know where you are. You know, we're in Cuba. <laughs> And then they started because they they figured out I was American. And then he started complaining to me about Trump and that how he had ruined their trip. And I didn't really understand. I never really did figure that out because they said they weren't able to fly from the United States to Havana. And I had just flown from the United States to Havana and that Trump had messed up their cruise. And, uh, you know, they're really taking it personally. And I, I didn't understand because you can still fly from the United States to Havana. Um, so I don't know what all that happened about. But they eventually came over and sat with my table. And um, we ended up having a really great conversation. We were talking about all sorts of things, international politics. And I think that they ended up having a good time talking to me. And I think that they probably didn't dislike that, that it wasn't the Four Seasons (laughs) as much because they ended up having a very nice evening. And um, the next morning, they were like, good morning, America. (laughs) So that can just show you both. Here's two different travelers' experiences going from a low to a high in a very short amount of time. Many of you know I started my airline career at People Express, and I was listening uh, as I was driving to work on um, NPR 1A, and here's a story about Whitney Houston and People Express. Uh, The greatest love tour 
world tour. And um, we were, you know, people think about it as glamorous, but at that time there was an airline called People's Express. And this was when you got your tickets seated on the plane and they would constantly overbook the plane and um, you would get pulled off. So one, one time it was about, we had about a 40 person entourage and we finally, we got bumped. I don't know how many times. And then we all boarded the plane and then they asked about half us to, half of us to get off, including Whitney. So, they bumped Whitney Houston yes, off a they, plane? They bumped her off a plane, and we nicknamed it People's Distress, <laughs> because really, that's what it was. Listener Steve Knight sent me a photo of a airline called LATAM, and on landing, you know how we make that PA on landing? Ladies and gentlemen, please use caution when opening the overhead bins because items may have shifted during takeoff or landing, and we wouldn't want anything to fall out and injure you or anyone around you. Well, the whole freaking overhead bin fell down. The whole damn thing. Ouch! Hi, I'm Britt, one half of the traveling house sitters. My partner and I have spent the last three years traveling the world house-sitting. We have one hell of a travel story for you. We purchased an old camper van, a Sitchin Bilingo for you car fanatics out there. And yes, it pretty much just is a car with a large boot that we managed to sleep in between all of our European house-sits. This camper van took us from Manchester in the UK all the way through France, northern Spain, from the top of Italy to Rome, across to Croatia, through Montenegro, and almost to Greece. We were a little apprehensive of driving through Albania, however, there was nothing to worry about. We were in awe of its beauty and great roads. After six hours of driving our camper, we affectionately named Mary Berry. She suddenly turned off and left us stranded in rural Albania. We both pretended to look under the hood like we knew what we were doing, but eventually we decided to head over the road and ask the man manning a fruit shop and a metal workshop. With the help of Google Translate, we managed to let them know what happened. While these gentlemen couldn't get the car going, one of their mates was called. He was a cousin and a mechanic. He came and had a look. However, being a Friday night, he offered to put it in his workshop and have a look in the morning. Our friend offered us a place to stay, but we opted to stay in our van. The next morning, they arrived with coffee and breakfast for us. The mechanic and his crew worked on the car all day. Each time we heard it turn over, our swimming were in knots. After many people had come by the workshop and offered their help with the car, the mechanic let us know it would require a special part and take another two to three days to fix. Finally, one of, our, one of their friends arrived for beers. This guy had great English. We were planning on selling the car once we arrived in Athens, as we were flying to our next destination. So we asked our friend who could speak English if the mechanic was interested in buying the camper. The mechanic was adamant he could get the car going, however, we didn't mind. Plus, we need to be in Greece for our next house sit in two days. We offered a price and eventually we came to the deal. We even threw in all our cooking supplies, bedding, table and chairs. It felt like a win-win for everyone. The mechanic now owned an exclusive French camper van and we were free to carry on to Greece. As it was late in the afternoon and buses only ran in the morning to Greece, our friend offered us to host us again. We accepted and headed off to his family home. His mother was incredible. She was so warm and friendly and enjoyed showing us around her beautiful gardens. He took us to the beautiful towns of Corsair and Potodek. 
We then enjoyed an Albanian dinner at his favourite restaurant. That was two months ago and we're still in touch with Bobby and his mother. We do wonder what became of Mary Berry though. Is she in a thousand pieces or is she the prized French car zooming around the Albanian countryside? Would you be interested in house-sitting yourself? It could be in your local city or an exotic place around the world. A villa in Bali or a beachfront house in Australia. We have all the resources you need to get started house-sitting over at our website www.thetravelinghousesitters.com I wasn't sure if I should do this story because I don't like stories that are kind of negative or show people in a bad light. But I also want to preface this by saying that um, you can always have a lot of people that are really smart in one area or like geniuses that aren't as good in like social situations. So uh, we had this female pilot and she was new to international, but she'd been flying like 13 years. And um, so granted, you know, things are different in international and domestic. So let's give her that. But the flight attendants, um, we all kept thinking, uh, she, she didn't seem that bright. <laughs> well, I mean, or maybe just too timid. I don't know. Let me just tell you a few of the things. So it was time for her crew rest. And, and you know, I'm busy working. And she comes out of the cockpit. And she said, so are the pillows and blankets in the overhead bin? Or are they in the chair? Because they get a first class seat with a curtain. And I was like, I don't know. You know, you just got to look because I mean, I could go look for her, but she's going to be there anyway. So she can look like, why do I have to find out where her pillows and blankets are? So uh, and later on, I wondered if that wasn't very nice, but it was just like a strange question. Like we don't we don't tuck them in, you know, <laughs> we don't have a turn down service for the pilots. So um, <laughs> so that was one thing. And then this was a bigger thing. So we do this thing where we lock off the lavatories for the pilots when they're going to come in and out just so they don't have to wait for the passengers because they got stuff to do, you know. But what can be a big problem for us and the passengers is that sometimes the pilots will, so we'll lock it off for them and then say two or three of them are coming out, they'll lock it off for each other. But if the last pilot locks the door when nobody else is going in there then we just have a lab that's in op because we don't know there's nobody in there and then nobody gets to use it and the the lines you know pile up and then finally we think you know nobody's come out of there in a long time so then we have to nobody wants to open up a locked lavatory door because you don't know what you could find you know like it's dangerous (laughs) so it's a big problem if the if the pilots make that mistake so we didn't realize, and she's new. Granted, got to give her that. She's new to this. She had locked off, and we didn't realize till landing when we're like thinking, some, thinking somebody's in there, and then we realized that the, the lab has been locked off for an hour and a half. And, you know, as a passenger, you know, the, those lavatories are valuable. You know, there's only so many of them, and we need every one. So the, another flight attendant decided that she would tell her because she needs to know. You know, she's like, hey, you know, if you're the last pilot used in the lavatory, you can't lock it off because then nobody can use it. And she and we think that's a very easy concept and she's this pilot's looking at her like why not and it's like well because then nobody can use the lavatory so the pilot the next day told us that she had said to him i still don't understand why i can't leave the lavatory locked (laughs) and it's like okay now granted like i was saying before you can have geniuses that aren't that good at social skills so i'm not saying that she's a dumb person or she's not a good pilot i'm not saying any of that but then uh i had met them for happy hour I didn't go to dinner with the crew, and uh, the flight attendants the next day were like, oh my gosh, uh, it comes time to pay the bill for dinner? And she took out a $20 bill, a U.S. dollar, $20 bill, and we were in Spain. And uh, 
And they all were looking at her like, huh? Because <laughs> granted, okay, she hadn't flown international, but has she ever not gone anywhere? You know, she's had uh, flight privileges. Who knows? Uh, give her the benefit of the doubt. But um, they said, you can't use dollars here. And she was like, why not? And and they're like, because we're in Spain, you can't use dollars anywhere in Europe. And she's like, oh, I thought I had read that you could you could use dollars. Now, granted, maybe she did see something somewhere. So, but uh, we were saying, you know, can you imagine? Like, I was just in Cuba, where um, the currency is a kook, C-U-C. Can you imagine me going into, um, you know, Five Guys Burgers and pulling out like um, a ten dollar kook and trying to pay for my burger, you know, it would just never work. Yeah, back when I used to be based in Boston, uh, we had a professional hockey player coming back from Amsterdam one time. He was super excited to be on there and... um, He was super excited to be on there? Yeah, he was super excited to be on, but he was stuck in the main cabin, but we were all super excited that he was on there. He's got giant long legs. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, you know what? We have a fun seat. We're going to upgrade him because he's a big celebrity. We really love him. He was in the main cabin for takeoff. So he was back there chatting with us. We're so excited. We're hand, you know, we gave him a beer. We're super excited about it. Uh, And then, uh, you know, he's kind of known on the plane who he is. Well... He got to drinking, and next thing we know, he's standing above his seat, dangling his arms over. Uh, he come to find out he had taken an Ambien, oh. but there were people recording him, so he had to move him to the back of the plane. Next thing we know, so that he's an embarrassed himself. Like, oh yeah. yeah, and he he didn't remember any of it, uh, and then. Uh, Come to find out, one of the air marshals told us that he was underage, so we had to stop serving him. He was underage. Yeah, we thought he was a professional athlete. Yeah, how we he's thought he was old enough. Yeah, we thought he was old enough. He asked <laughs> us for a beer. We didn't think to ask. Him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It turned. Come to find out, we ended up taking when he came back awake. He took a picture with us, <laughs> and nice. he was so embarrassed. Yeah. But he was so sweet about it. But it was just like. This crazy thing I that happened. I call them ambient zombies. Oh, God, they're the worst. <laughs> this comes from listener Franklin Amadeus, and he sent me an article from the Atlantic Mirror titled, This Flight Attendant Plunged to the Earth from 33,000 Feet, But Somehow She Lived to Tell the Tale. On January 26, 1972, a JAT Flight 367 had just taken off from Copenhagen Airport in Denmark. It's on a routine flight from the Danish capital to Belgrade in what was called the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. On board is 22-year-old flight attendant Vesna Volvovic, who's only been flying for eight months, but in about 45 minutes, her life will change forever. In fact, Volvovic was only in Copenhagen waiting to join Flight 367 because of a mix-up. I shouldn't have been there at all. It was a different Vesna that should have been 
rostered with that crew. A little mistake, however, meant that I had my first trip to Denmark, Volvic told Greenlight. And Flight 367 arrived at Copenhagen Airport at 2.30 p.m. on January 16, 1972, without a hitch. Volvic and our four colleagues then boarded the aircraft, a McDonnell Douglas DC-9, replacing the current crew. It only had 23 passengers and were flying to Yugoslavia that day. Less than 30 people were on board the aircraft. With that light load, then, the plane took off at 3.15 p.m. Just 46 minutes later, at 4.01 p.m., disaster struck. The plane was now over Czechoslovakian airspace and cruising at a height of 33,000 feet when there was a catastrophic explosion in the baggage hold. And the force of the explosion tore the plane into three pieces with the wreckage plummeting to the earth. The stricken DC-9 smashed to the ground. Tragically, the captain and 26 of the crew and passengers all died instantly. The last person on board the aircraft miraculously survived the terrible crash. A villager heard screams coming from the devastated plane and happened upon the shattered body of the flight attendant. Incredibly, she was still alive, although she was covered in blood. Fortunately for her, the villager who found her served as a medic in World War II, and he was able to keep her breathing until the first responders arrived on the scene. The damage to her body included a fractured skull, three vertebrae fractures, two broken legs, a number of broken ribs, and a fractured pelvis, as well as temporary paralysis. Perhaps fortuitously, the flight attendant spent some time in a coma. When she awoke, she had no memory of the accident or the weeks that followed it. In fact, later she claimed that she remembered nothing of the terrible drama for quite some time. I had amnesia from one hour before the accident until one month afterwards, she recalled. The first thing I can remember is seeing my parents in the hospital. In fact, at first, she learned that the accident was two weeks after it happened when doctors showed her a newspaper. At the sight of the headline, she fainted. But how on earth had she survived an explosion at 33,000 feet and the resulting fall to the earth? Well, investigators were later to credit her near-miraculous survival to the fact that she'd been pinned inside a section of the aircraft by a meal cart. Conversely, other passengers and crew had been sucked out of the depressurized plane and plunged to their deaths. She was saved by a meal cart, and the section of the fuselage where she was trapped had come to rest on a densely forested and snowy mountain slope. Luckily, the snow and the trees had lessened the force of the crash landing. The day after Flight 367 was destroyed, a man describing himself as a Croatian nationalist phoned a Swedish newspaper and claimed that his group had planted a bomb on the flight. Yet, although no one was ever arrested for the bombing, the mystery man's explanation was accepted by the authorities, but not by everyone. In 2009, for instance, two Czech journalists claimed that Flight 267 was brought down accidentally by a Czech Air Force plane. However, they were only circumstantial evidence to back up their assertion. In any case, the Guinness World Book of Records continues to list Volvovic as the survivor of the longest descent without a parachute. I was talking a little bit about um, how, how quickly things can go from bad to good or good to bad when you're traveling, especially if you're traveling someplace that's not as tourist friendly. Okay, so um, I was in Playa Larga and 
I had had that bike taxi that we could barely find the place that uh, I was staying. And uh, I had walked into town and then I ended up getting some dinner and now it's dark. And I thought, okay, well, I might have some trouble. And all the bike taxis, I did notice I was there a few days. They were there during the day and then at night, there didn't seem to be any taxis or bike taxis. So I didn't really have a choice as to just walking home. And uh, I did have Luckily, one of my CASA particulars and some listeners have uh, suggested, and I, I'll probably do this every time from now on, like maps.me, where you can download a map ahead of time so you can use a GPS when you don't have cell service because there was no cell service in. There was no cell service in Cuba. So now I've got my maps, and I'm hoping it's going to be right because it's not always right in some of these places either. And so I'm walking, and it's dark. And uh, I just have my little cell phone and I you don't know I just I'd had only been in Cuba for like I don't know like four days at that point you don't know you don't know how safe it is and I'm thinking I don't know if this is smart I don't know if I should be walking when in the pitch dark by myself I mean it's and I don't really know if I, I know how to get back and I was a little worried it turned out that that place was very safe but the very next night after I'd had a great day going to the cave and the cenote and snorkeling and um it, uh, I had had dinner, and now uh, I'm walking home. And you know, the night before, I was so nervous about being dark, and uh, <laughs> did I know where I was going? And so, what a difference a day can make! So the very next night, I'm walking past. It, uh, there were street lights, but they were all burnt out in this one section. So it was dark, 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 and that's where I had been nervous the night before. So then the second night, all of a sudden, I realized, <gasps> look. Because those streetlights were burnt out, and because you're in a little town in, in Cuba out in the middle of nowhere, and next to a national park where there's no lights whatsoever, the night sky was lit up. Like, I, I, I don't know if everyone in the world has seen a really beautiful night sky, but it, it'll take your breath away. I could see the Milky Way, so I turned my cell phone off. There was, you know, showing my way back, and I was just stood there looking up, and I was like, wow! You know, it just shows how small we are and how big the universe is and what how much beauty there is just in the darkness. So here, one night, I was afraid, <laughs> afraid for my own safety. And the next night, I stood out there probably for a half an hour, intentionally in the dark, staring at the beautiful, glorious night sky. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. And I will be doing some traveling if all goes well. I'm hoping to go to this little island called Saba. It looks like Saba, S-A-B-A. You've probably seen it. It's in a lot of movies as kind of like an exotic island. Not that many people go there. There aren't any beaches there. So many people don't go there or so many people haven't heard of it that um, earlier in the episode, I was talking about um, such a good idea to download the maps.me in case you don't have cell service. Well, Saba isn't in maps.me. <laughs> But hopefully I'm going there, and I'll tell you all about it in the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Yes.